welcome back to the Mysterious Incidents Podcast. I'm your host, Ella Harwood. Last week, we discussed the infamous Jack the Ripper. For this episode, we will be discussing the Black Dahlia, or the murder of Elizabeth Short. Let's get right into it. Elizabeth Short was born in Hyde Park, Massachusetts in July of 1924. There's not really much about her childhood except for the fact that her parents got divorced when she was pretty young and her dad, named Cleo, moved to California. It was said that as a young adult, she was a beautiful young woman with a nice figure and bright green eyes. When she hit 18, many people described her as a wild child or just a teenager, you know? She didn't really feel like she belonged in Massachusetts and she was destined to do something bigger or better with her life. So her dad, Cleo, suggested she move in with him in California. And instead of paying rent, all she had to do was cook and clean around the house, you know, take care of herself and her dad. So her dad gave her $800 for her to move to California. And when she got there, it didn't last too long. It lasted about three weeks. And this was because she would stay out all night and she wasn't doing the things her dad asked. You know, she wasn't cooking for him. She wasn't cleaning. You know, she was always out. So eventually, this ends up leading to Cleo telling her to move out. And unfortunately, this is the last time Cleo will hear from his daughter. So then Elizabeth moves out and she finds a job at Camp Cook in California. And after nine months of working there, she quit and moved to sunny San Diego to start a new, fresh life. So when she gets there, she goes to a bar and she meets a woman named Dorothy. And Dorothy offered Elizabeth a place to stay for a bit because they were talking and Elizabeth was like, oh, I don't really have anywhere to stay, you know, I'm just here for fun. So Elizabeth ends up staying with Dorothy for a month from December 1946 to January 1947. Eventually, after this month passed, Elizabeth ends up telling Dorothy, you know, she's on to her next adventure and that someone named Red was picking her up. Okay. So on the morning of January 15th, 1947, a 911 call comes into the LA dispatch center to report what seems to be a dead body. And the police go out to the location and when they get there, they are just in shock. You know, they are confused. They are just flabbergasted. What they see is a naked body just laying on the grass out in the middle of the suburbs. The body was found laying on their back and only steps away from the sidewalk. The most concerning part of it all, though, was the body was cut cleanly in half, just one inch above her belly button. There was originally no ID found on her, so they were originally calling her Jane Doe, but we know now that this was Elizabeth. So some details noted by the police of the body were that her lower half was disconnected from the upper half and they were laying a little bit far apart. Like it wasn't natural, like obviously the legs had been placed farther away from her torso. It was noted that her right breast was also cut off and each of her big toes were painted a vibrant red. And looking into this, like, it does seem weird, but at the same time, how many of us have started to paint our nails and just stopped? However, they did note that it looked like it had just been done, so who knows? She also had really deep cuts and gashes across her forehead and she had crisscross cuts on her pubic region. To make it worse, there was a game of tic-tac-toe cut into her right hip. That is sick. That's disgusting. She was cut from her mouth on both sides about three inches to create like a joker smile. Once again, this whoever did this is absolutely twisted. So police noted that she had markings around her throat, meaning that she was obviously strangled. And there was also markings on her arms and her legs, meaning she was definitely restrained. 
Police noted that her body must have been laying face down for a long period of time after her death because of lividity on her front side. If you don't know what lividity is, it's basically how some people determine time of death and stuff because when you die, your blood will pool to the area where you're laying. And this is how police tell if the body's moved because you'll be purple in that area. You know, obviously she was laying on her back in the grass, which means obviously she was moved because her lividity was in the front of her body near her chest. One disgusting thing was that there was absolutely no blood at the crime scene. And when I say no blood, I don't just mean like on her or near her. I mean her body had been completely drained of any blood. So after all of this, they obviously went looking for leads and they found none. So what did they do? They contacted the woman named Miss Berzinger, who was the original 911 caller, and she had absolutely no info. She pretty much just said, you know, I thought it was a mannequin laying out there, but as I got a closer look, I realized it was a dead body, so I called it in. But she had mentioned she was on a walk with her young daughter, but she never ended up going back to the crime scene. She saw nothing. So once they identify that the body is obviously Elizabeth Short, they find out that her dad, Cleo, was living in California. So they go to his house and they knock on his door, you know, and Cleo answers drunk. This is noted, he's drunk and they're like, hey, unfortunately, we just found your daughter murdered in the middle of the suburbs. And it was said that Cleo did not give two shits. This man could not give a rat's ass about his own daughter's death. He was drunk and angry. It was said he didn't even want to drive in the police car to confirm that it was his daughter. Like, how messed up is that? So then, police find Dorothy, the woman that Elizabeth was staying with, in San Diego. And they ask if she knows anything. And she tells the police about Red and how he was driving a Studebaker coupe. So they're like, wow, okay, we've got this guy. We know who this is. So on December 19th, they find record of a man named Robert Monley staying at a motel who drove a Studebaker coupe. So they find a picture of him and they take it to Dorothy and she confirms that it was indeed the man who called himself Red. So obviously police find this Robert man and they take him into custody and then they take two polygraph tests which he passed both of them. So they had to release Robert. So at the beginning of this episode I mentioned that this case is often referred to as the Black Dahlia. And that's because the media gave her this name due to her long, dark hair and the fact that she always had a flower in her hair. So a month goes by and there's still zero suspects and the media is all over this case. And then later on, the Los Angeles Police Department begins getting letters from who they think is the supposed killer. And this is because these letters had some of Elizabeth's personal items in them, and one of them being her personal address book that she carried everywhere with her, and this address book had pages ripped out of it. So a suspect came to the surface named George Hodel from a tip that they were dating. And uh, let's just say, to recap who George is, he's just not a good guy. It was said that George had previously sexually abused his own daughter and got her pregnant and then tried to give her an unsafe at home abortion, which did not end up working. That's just a little bit of a detail of what this kind of guy is. So they take him to court and they try to charge him, but he was acquitted and the police needed a confession. So you know what they do? They bug George's home. And on February 1950, they hear a woman scream from his house twice. And the police go in and nothing was found. But then later on, they hear George say, quote, Supposing I kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. 
Apparently his secretary had died from overdose, but seeing who this guy is and looking into his life, it could be sketchy, you know, he could have killed his secretary. It's said that in April 1950, the LAPD had enough to charge him with for this killing, but he had ended up flooding the US by then, and apparently he moved to the Philippines. I'm not 100% sure, but that's what's said. And even George's son, named Steve, believed that George was the killer of the Black Valley. So moving on, eventually a woman named Christine Reynolds leaves a tip that she's gonna go and confess that she killed Elizabeth. And get this, Christine's confession was the 27th confession. Many different people had tried to confess for killing Elizabeth and the police had said no, definitely not, because all these people had been lying. When Christine gets there, she tells the police that Elizabeth used to live with her and she was living with her at the time of Elizabeth's death and that they were having an affair. And then the police are, you know, not really buying her story because the timelines aren't really matching up. But then Christine mentions one detail that was not public knowledge of the case. And that was that whoever did this, this disgusting person, they cut off some of Elizabeth's hair and they shoved it up her lower region. Absolutely disgusting. So then, you know, her story fell apart. After talking with her and interrogating her, the police were like, listen, we know you're lying. And Christine, she falls apart and she explains that she had a girlfriend who worked with the LAPD and that's how she knew the details about the hair. Okay, so after all of these different suspects came into play, police had their eye on one person and that person was known as the Cleveland Torso Killer, who was an unsolved serial killer who fits the perfect MO because he would cut the legs off of the body and separate them in half, just like Elizabeth had been. Now, it is still unsolved, so we have no idea who the Cleveland Torso Killer is, but some believe that it could be George Hodel, who I discussed earlier. I mean, it fits this person's MO completely, the cutting in half and everything, it's just disgusting. So this story is just absolutely nasty to me. I cannot believe someone can do the amount of things they did to Elizabeth and just go on with their life after that. I mean, how can you carve a game of tic-tac-toe into a human's body? It's just, it's disgusting. But you know what's even more strange about the tic-tac-toe thing? When was the last time you played tic-tac-toe by yourself? So then I'm like thinking, maybe it was two people? But as of right now, we will not know. So this marks the end of the fifth episode of the Mysterious Incidents podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm so thankful for every single one of the listeners. I'm here every Wednesday for you on Spotify. Be sure to stay tuned for my next upcoming episodes where we're going to be discussing some more very disgusting true crime cases. All right. Have a great day. Bye.